Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Things First. Jenna Wolf, alongside the usual Nick Wrights. Kevin Wilde, we have Brian Westbrook with us on a Thursday morning. We're all together. We're all in a line. We're all having so much fun. We have so much coming up on the program today. Cam Newton admitting he was actually worried about how he and Bill Belichick were going to mesh. Was he right? We will discuss. Odell putting the league on notice. What would a motivated OBJ actually look like with the Browns this season? And deal or no deal for Dak Prescott? and the Dallas Cowboys. That is our top story this morning. Let us dive right in. Yesterday's 4 p.m. Eastern deadline came and went without an agreement on a long-term deal, a deal which would have paid the quarterback between 33 and $35 million annually, with $110 million of that guaranteed. Cowboys reportedly wanted a five-year deal. Dak wanted four. A bridge too far for Dallas, and now once again, Dak will have to bet on himself and play this season on the $31.4 million franchise tag. So, Nick, could 2020 be Dak's last season with the Dallas Cowboys? 2020. It's very interesting because yesterday on the show, Jenna, I said I thought if they don't get a deal done and they didn't get a deal done, 2021 would be his final year with the Cowboys. Franchised this year, franchised next year, then a true free agent, the whole league gets to bid on him. But... I read Bill Barnwell, who I think is the smartest person writing about football today, read his column about how, given the potential lowering of the cap next year and the fact that no matter what the cap is, Dak's franchise tag number would be $38 million, which would be the highest of any, uh, any cap hit for any player in the league this year. He already has the highest cap hit of any player in the league this year at $31 million. And the Cowboys' lack of real flexibility around that and the fact that Dallas might be thinking what I'm thinking, which is that Dak is setting this whole thing up to hit true free agency in 2021 anyway, it, it would appear to me that the Cowboys would have to strongly consider after this season, unless they go on a Super Bowl run, what is Dak's value on the open market trade-wise. In a world where Jalen Ramsey can well, I mean, get you two first-round picks, where Laramie Tunsil can get you two ones and a two, where we have seen uh, receivers, Brandon Cooks, can go for a first-round pick and then the next year go for another first-round pick, what does a 28-year-old in his prime, or 27-year-old he would be, quarterback, fetch you on the open market via trade? So if Dallas and Dak, Brian, have a year similar to last year, where Dak's numbers are great, but the team is not, I do think the Cowboys will have these serious discussions of if he's planning to leave us in two years anyway and we get nothing, does it make sense for us to recoup a lot on our investment a year before he can leave us for nothing? So I'm not predicting this will be his last year with the Cowboys, Brian, but I think it's absolutely on the board in a way that seemed inconceivable a few months ago. You know, Nick, I, I agree with a lot that, that you're mentioning here, but I kind of start with the premise that Dak's numbers will be similar to what they were last year, but the record of the team will be better. You have a much better coach. Obviously, okay. Jason Garrett got fired last year. Mike McCarthy comes in. He gets a little bit more out of Dak. Your weapons have been improved, and you now have a hungry 
Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield. And I just think that that football team is a better team than the 8-8 record that they had last year, and they make it into the playoffs. And if they win a couple games in the playoffs, I think Dak certainly comes back. But I, I like the thought that you're mentioning about possibly a franchise tag and then trade. That may bring some value um, back, back to Dallas. But the, I'll say this. The only reason that I, in my opinion, that Dak won't be back next year is that if he's bad all year long, and I'm talking about if you start bad and then you finish strong, I think Mike McCarthy will stand up on the table after the season and say, you know what, we need Dak back. Look how well he did toward the end of the season. And, and of course, at the beginning, we had COVID and we didn't have many mini camps, and he approved so much, and now we need him back. But if he's bad all year long, then, of course, he won't be back. Um, I, I just feel like the Cowboys are in a, in a bad position because now they have to figure out with Zeke already being paid, with Amari Cooper already being paid, if Dak doesn't work out, who's going to be the next guy uh, down the pipeline? And that may be next year or the year after that. Well, if they trade, who's the quarterback? Nick, what, are they, what do they need draft picks for? They, they need defensive ends? You need a quarterback. And, and who are they? So they trade Dak for, for picks. For what? A, a, a guy out of Clemson? Are they trading him for Kyler Murray or Deshaun Watson? I don't know in any way that a trade makes sense for Dallas. Well, the last two franchise quarterbacks for the Dallas Cowboys, one was undrafted in Tony Romo. One was a fourth-round pick in Dak Prescott. They brought in Andy Dalton, not just because they love yes. his gorgeous red hair, but because he's a more than competent backup. He's an above average. He's, he's a great backup and probably a below-average starter. But with the, ta we, the one year Dalton was excellent was the year he had weapons similar to what Dallas has. And at some point, you've got to ask yourself the question. What the, the, the team Dallas needs to look to if Dak is going to operate negotiating-wise next offseason the way he has up until this point, which is his prerogative, is the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams decided to pay their good-ish, but everyone knows not great quarterback as if he was great. Because what are we going to do? Are we really going to get back on the quarterback treadmill? And then the quarterback proved to be who we knew who he was. And now Gurley's gone, yeah. Brandon Cooks is gone, and that team is a, is a team without a country, so to speak. They've got a super expensive quarterback. they still got to pay Jalen. they got a great D-tackle that's super expensive, but they don't have the requisite talent to lift up that quarterback. So, no, it wouldn't. I don't know that you would be trading Dak for picks and then use those picks to draft a quarterback, Jenna. I think you might be trading Dak for picks so you can get more cheap young talent and you bring in Cam, or you bring in the next aging veteran quarterback, or you see if Andy Dalton has picked up enough of the system. But I just think it is on the board now, unless, as Brian mentioned, they do win a couple playoff games, then they'd be in the first conference championship game, Jen, in a quarter century. And then I think they, Dak stays either via franchise tag or long-term deal regardless. Nick, I think you touched on it. They built this team around Dak Prescott, and Dak Prescott succeeded, whether or not you think he's a great quarterback, with all the pieces they've already paid, with all the talent they have around him, he looked great. Brian Westbrook, let me ask you what Nick brought up. Is it possible Jerry Jones is thinking, hey, we have Andy Dalton, we have this amazing team that we have built, perhaps Andy Dalton is good enough until we figure something out, that that could be our, maybe not long-term solution, but short-term if we do indeed lose Dak Prescott. 
Possibly Andy Dalton could be your short-term solution, but I, I can't in, in my mind think that Andy Dalton is a guy that's going to supplant Dak at the starting quarterback position, position at any point during this season. To me, you brought him in solely to be a backup for a guy that started 64 straight games and Dak Prescott, the guy that has led you to a couple of division championships, a guy that's coming off his best season um, as, as an NFL player. To me, I, I just don't see Andy Dalton being that guy. I think the other thing we have to all consider is what's going on in that locker room. And I think last year you had Zeke hold out and you had a lot of different things going on down there in Dallas. Perhaps there are some different things going on at this point because if I'm a player in that locker room saying, hold on, time out, you don't want to pay our quarterback? Everybody understands you have to have a quarterback in your system that can go out there and win you games. And I think Dak can do that, but you have to take care of that guy. And if you don't want to take care of Dak, then if I'm the right tackle, if I'm the, 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 the left defensive end, if I'm one of these players on this team, I'm starting to wonder, will I get taken care of in Dallas like other players have on other football teams? So I, I'm wondering those things inside the locker room for the Dallas Cowboys as well. All right, so Jack and Dallas cannot get a deal done. We have much more to come on this story, including which side might regret that move more. But coming up next, Odell going back to Blonde, says he's ready for a breakout season with the Browns. This is First Things First. Welcome back. We're drawing a blank. You just heard what Odell had to say. The kid with the blonde hair setting the bar super high this season. But, Nick, I'll let you decide. Odell's 2020 season will be blank. The biggest of his career, and I mean that literally and figuratively. I, I say literally in that I think this is going to be the most prolific season of his career, even better than year two when he had 1,400 yards and 13 touchdowns but figuratively the biggest of his career because now on his resume, he has three outstanding years and three underwhelming years. Now, one of those underwhelming years, he broke his leg and he was out most of the season. The other one was Eli's last year as a starter with the Giants. I don't know who could have been great there. And the other one was the first year with Baker and Freddie Kitchens in Cleveland. So there have been extenuating circumstances but, Brian, if Odell has another down year, then all of a sudden he's had more mediocre years than he's had great years, and he starts being classified as a different type of receiver. I still think he's a top three receiver in this league, Brian, and I think this year he's going to prove that. I think it's going to be the biggest of his career this year. Yeah, I agree. I think he still is a top three receiver in this league, and that's why I'm saying he's going to get 85 catches um, over 1,200 yards, and I would also throw in there seven or eight touchdowns. You know, last year we saw Odell Beckham Jr. with a core muscle injury play all season long, 74 catches, over 1,000 yards, 133 targets. That was impressive being injured, especially playing with the quarterback in Baker Mayfield that threw over 20 interceptions. I think this year the offense is more condensed. He'll be open a little bit more because of the run game that Kevin Stefanski is going to have. And I think uh, Odell Beckham Jr. has a great season. I'll take the over on the touchdowns, Brian. I went with Stefanski's solution. Look, Kirk Cousins, friend of the show, had the fourth best passer rating overall. And on deep balls, he was third best. So, look, a lot of it comes down to Odell. A lot of it comes down to Baker. But I think Stefanski is going to get Odell open and give him the opportunity to have a huge career. Huge career, yeah, sure. And a huge year. 
<laughs> You're on notice, Baker Mayfield. All right, moving on to Dallas now with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys not getting a long-term deal done yesterday. Dak's brother, Tad, was just a tad bit upset. He tweeted this, there's a reason I was never a Dallas Cowboys fan growing up or before they drafted Dak. After today, who knows how much longer I'll be cheering for them. Nick, Dak's brother's tweet was blank. Not nothing. I mean, listen, Dak and his brother are close. We know that. I don't think Dak's brother is talking totally out of school here. And I think we've seen from certain star athletes' family, we can get a bit of an idea of how they're feeling. Or think about to the Warriors when they had KD. You would occasionally have KD's brother sending out smoke signals about what KD's next move would be. You had Draymond's mom at times taking shots at KD on social media. I, I, to me, this isn't a huge deal, but it can't be ignored. And given what's happened over the last 96 hours with Dak and the Cowboys not being able to reach a, a long-term contract extension, it's just another mark on the side of the ledger that Dak and the Cowboys could be slowly moving towards an unexpected divorce, Brian. I absolutely agree with you. I think I, I talk to my brother probably more uh, than anybody else in the world. And when I feel something, he can actually speak on it because I've already told him. And I think it's legitimate. I think that uh, when Dak signed this franchise deal, he was saying, listen, I'm throwing my hands up. If this is my last year in Dallas, this is my last year in Dallas. I'm going all out to try to win right now, and I'm going to do everything that I can. But I'm not concerned about what's going to happen afterwards. I'm just going to go out there and be the best quarterback that I can be. And I think these concerns from his brother that this may be the last season for him cheering for Dak in Dallas certainly could ring true. Look, I, I agree with you guys. I, I'm taking the air a little bit out of the balloon because he also tweeted, you guys are big mad with an emoticon, crying emoticon, so I don't think it's that big of a deal. But to Nick's point, it is valid that we do see people's family members. If you ever actually want to hear what I think about Nick, you got to follow my brother Craig on Twitter, and he'll give you the unvarnished opinion, not the 4TV version that I deliver every day. <laughs> All right, moving on to the Titans now. They signed their stud running back Derrick Henry to a four-year, $50 million deal yesterday. King Henry is now the fifth-highest-paid running back behind Christian McCaffrey, Zeke Elbell, and David Johnson. Nick, the Titans signing Henry to a four-year, $50 million deal is blank. All right, I don't want to sound ridiculous or too self-congratulatory. But the Titans signing Derrick sure Henry work out well. to a four-year, $50 million deal is why Nick Wright, myself, should be a general manager in the NFL. This is so dumb. And it is why certain teams are just stuck on the treadmill. It's nothing against Derrick Henry. But the whole, the Titans, their two best offensive players, Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, the whole world said, Buyer beware on giving Tannehill 92 million guaranteed as you did 30 million a year. Their justification was, well, we can't franchise him because we have to franchise the running back because you don't want to pay the running back a bunch of money. So they give Tannehill three years basically fully guaranteed at 30 million per. It's going to kill him so they can franchise Derrick Henry. And then the last minute, they're like, yeah, we don't even need to franchise Derrick Henry. The hell are you doing? Like, what are you doing? You're in the AFC Championship game. It, it, it's so it's so bad. And, and by the way, 
a, a third of the GMs in the league looked at this and was like, good move. Bell cow running back, three yards. It's so dumb. And I just, I don't understand how, how this league hasn't evolved. So, yeah, it's why I should be a GM, not a scout. Can't pick players out of college, no. Brian. But I can at least be your capologist. At the very least, I can be your capologist, Brian. Nick, you have an awful lot of jobs. I keep hearing you say that you want to vote for all-star awards in the basketball side of yeah. things. Now you want to be a GM for football. You you, you have a, a, a the way of wearing a lot of different hats. But to me, this was a good move for both sides. The Titans want to run the football. They want to get the lead with Ryan Tannehill and then run it down your throat for Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry did not break the bank. He also doesn't have to worry about going to another team where they'll definitely use him differently. There's not a lot of teams in the league where we're saying you're going to hand the ball off to one running back 20, 25 times a game. The Titans are one of those teams, and Derrick Henry fits them exactly. To me, this is a good move for both sides. Look, if you're, Brett Veach is the only GM, I guess, who can sign everybody to guaranteed long-term deals for decades, and Nick has no problem with it, but if the Tennessee Titans want to sign their running back, it it's is. a bad deal. Look, I went... I Tell went with experienced here. It's less than the Chris Johnson deal, Nick. And I know I don't know if you were the GM back in 2011. Chris Johnson signed 454, 30 guaranteed. So it's actually less. They learned their lesson from Chris Johnson. I think it's a good deal. But I also support you leaving the show and becoming a GM, buddy. Listen, I could do 30 minutes on this. And in fact, I'm going Go to I'm going to screw up the rundown of the show. Can we, we're going to talk about this again later in the show because I got more on this. I got more on this. <laughs> no, we, there, 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 this needs to be investigated. No, we're talking Thanks, about it Wilds. again. We're talking about it again. Mark it down. <laughs> we can move on now, but we're coming we're back to this. About it again. We are. We're not doing. Oh, more, we're talking about it again. More no Derrick Henry. Oh, okay. Let's Derek see. Henry. Let's see. Uh, all right, let's end with let's some see. boxing. Uh, we've been hearing right of the last couple weeks about all the possible opponents for Mike Tyson's big comeback fight. He finally found one. The guy's name might ring a bell. It's Jaws. No last name listed. No. Iron Mike teaming up with Jaws? Shark Week to launch a show titled Tyson vs. Jaws Rumble on the Reef. Wilds loves the name. Nick, Mike Tyson fighting a shark would be blank. Listen, uh, I'm going to pull the curtain back a bit. Some of our producers were trying to bait me here into bringing up bait, saying something along the lines of, oh, you'd have a better chance against the shark than the boxing match against LeBron that has been speculated about that the internet was all a flutter about is LeBron gonna box Tyson? I said, that's ridiculous. I'm not gonna sit here and say Mike Tyson would lose to LeBron James in a boxing match. It's an absurdity. So I'm gonna take this as seriously as the question demands it. Mike Tyson fighting a shark would be a bad sequel. And a bad sequel to what, you may ask? The great Fox yep. television show that was far too shortly run, Man vs. Beast. Man vs. Beast showed us some great sporting feats, like Takeru Kobayashi when he was in the eating competition against a Kodiak bear. Oh, that was we had, what was the runner's name? Sean Crawford. He raced a giraffe, and then he lost to a zebra. I thought the zebra kind of had a false start there. And then the best one, there was a sumo wrestler who was in a tug of war against a female orangutan, and the orangutan whooped him. That, that's kind of what I think they're going for here. But as is often the case, unless it's Godfather 2, the sequel never lives up to the original. So unfortunately, Brian, I think there's going to be a bad sequel. Here. I like Die Hard. Nick, I just knew that you were going to mention something about 
Mike Tyson biting the Vander Holyfield's ear and then biting the shark or something to that effect, that would be a good, good idea for TV. To me, this is great TV because of this one reason. I love Mike Tyson. I think that he is hilarious at many things that he does. I don't know that he takes himself too seriously. And I just, anytime I watch him, when I watch these clips now, this is this is scary. This is personally scary for me. I don't want to see Mike Tyson fighting anybody, but fighting a shark, to me, seems like a good TV show. Something that I definitely would tune in for for a few episodes. Yeah, I, I disagree here. Jaws came out in 1975. Uh, that's putting if he was born then. I think the Jaws was about 10 years old, so I'm putting the, the Jaws at like 55, upwards of 65. <laughs> Jaws is way over the hill. Mike Tyson is actually the younger person here. I am not interested. I don't even think Jaws should be sanctioned the only in person. this fight, Jenna. I, I think it's irresponsible. Jaws is just hitting his prime. All right. He's not. Uh, Shark's lifespan 70 years, Brian. Cam Newton already working on his chemistry with his new receiver, Nikhil Harry. How about his chemistry with his new head coach, Bill Belichick? Take a listen to this. Man, I got a call and my agent hit me. I was, you know, no cap. I was working out and he was like, hey, man, you know, we just got an interest from a team. I'm like, OK, cool. Who? And it was like New England. I said, I said, hold on. Like, how's, how's me and Belichick gonna mesh? You know what I'm saying? Moving on, talk some Patriots now. All right, though everyone's focused on Cam Newton replacing the GOAT Tom Brady oh, yeah. up in New England, some have forgotten that Cam is stepping into an ideal situation where he'll be coached by a GOAT in Bill Belichick. But Cam seems to have had concerns about his chemistry with his new coach. Take a listen. My agent hit me. I was, you know, no cap. I was working out. And he was like, hey, man, you know, we just got an interest from a team. I'm like, okay, cool, who? And he was like, New England. I said, <laughs> I said, hold on. Like, how's, how's me and Belichick going to mesh? You know what I'm saying? Because that was the first thing I thought. Because it's like perception. Yeah. Like, no, but I like, think his perception of Belichick is not that. There is no, like, how is it going to work for me? All he want to do is put you in a place to succeed. Yeah. And I'm happy to see it. Ooh, Odell of the Patriots. Sign All right, him Nick. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start with you. What do you think? How do you think Cam Newton and Bill Belichick are going to mesh? Listen, as is often the case, my pal Odell Beckham Jr. only speaks the truth. Now, occasionally, he speaks a little too much truth. He's a little too honest, and he gets him in trouble. But Odell is a lot of things. He ain't a liar, and he nailed this, which is why I think Cam and Belichick are going to mesh beautifully. Bill Belichick wants to win. He does not care what you do when you're not in the building. He does not care what you wear to the building or what you wear home from the building. He wants to win. And last year, the quarterback position was a hindrance on them winning. And throughout Belichick's entire coaching career with the Patriots, he's really had one game where he was able to go into it game planning and say, hey, what can we do with our quarterback's legs? It was a nationally televised game when Brady was suspended for one of the cheating scandals the Patriots were involved in, I can't remember which, and That's Jacoby Brissett yeah. started. And it was on national television, I think against the Texans on a Thursday night. 
and all of a sudden, Patriots doing all these fancy QB runs, and they win that football game in Jacoby Brissett's first career start, and you started to see, or you saw for the first time, a whole different layer of offense Belichick could run and Josh McDaniels could run because Belichick hated so much when those offenses were run against him. He always talks about the problems a mobile quarterback brings to a defense, forces you out of man-to-man -man defense, a lot of things you don't want to have to deal with. So, I, Wilds, I believe Belichick and Cam are going to get along great. I don't. Do they listen yes. to the same music? Do they go to the same nightclubs? Do they vacation on the same beaches? No. But none of that matters. They both desperately want to win, and they're both terrible losers. And I actually think that'll make them somewhat kindred spirits, Wilds. I think it works out great. I do, too. I, just one correction. Belichick also listens to a lot of Future, so I, I think you're wrong there. They do listen to the same music. Look, I think they fit perfectly, Nick, just like that Cam Newton Fanatics jersey I sent you. Nice and snug. Size medium headed your way, buddy. It's going to be a perfect fit. I specifically think there's three reasons, and we're going to put up uh, some quote boards here. Their view of teamwork, they hate to lose, and one wild card thing just to be, you know, lighten the mood a little bit. First up, their view of teamwork. The first one is Bill Belichick's view of teamwork. He says, listen, it takes everybody doing their job. One guy can't move the ball. One guy can't stop a team. You got to be working together. Great. Let's go over to Cam. What does Cam say? Hey, we need a group of 11 people doing one thing, not one guy doing 11 things. For all this idea that Cam uh, is an individual and he, and, he, and, he, and he walks to the beat of his own drum, sure, but this guy is the consummate team player. Second reason, they hate to lose. Take a listen. We're, we're, we're obviously disappointed that we didn't win. I mean, I don't know. I said that right off the bat. We're disappointed in the results. What else do you want me to say? Did you see anything that you didn't expect today? They just played better than us. I don't know what you want me to say. They made better more plays than us. And that's what it come down to. But Cam was eviscerated for that, Nick, for no reason when Belichick does the same thing after a regular season loss, never mind the Super Bowl. And, of course, they have their iconic outfits, uh, which, you know, <laughs> also, like, the last video with Cam and his Montclair outfit, like, bravo to Cam Stylist, just doing a fantastic job. <laughs> but, Nick, here's the biggest reason. And actually, Brian, I'll throw it to you. Both of these guys are all-time great players, and they are both being doubted in the media on if they still have it. Belichick's like, oh, can he do it without Brady? And people are saying that Cam is washed up. They are both the most motivated quarterback and coach in the entire league. I think they will fit perfectly. You know, I agree with both of you guys. And I've always wondered, because I hear a lot of negative things around Cam, I'm wondering, what did he do so bad to people to make them think that he's just such a bad guy because of the way he dressed, because he does a celebration deal after he scores because he points after he gets a first down. I'll tell you this, and Andy Reid wasn't a big celebration guy, but he had no issue with Terrell Owens doing a touchdown yeah. celebration after he scored a touchdown. And I guarantee you, Bill Belichick, after Cam Newton scores his first touchdown up there in New England, will have absolutely no problem with Cam doing a Superman deal, handing the ball to someone in the stands, doing all the different things he does after the first down. As long as Cam is producing on the field, 
Bill Belichick, you know, he's going to love this guy because he wants to win. He's going to do everything that he can to be a winner. And just like you mentioned, Kevin, he is motivated. He has a chip on his shoulder, and he's hungry. He's hunting his next contract. He's going out there trying to prove everyone wrong. So to me, this is the uh, perfect match. You're right. Bill Belichick has to prove that he can win without Tom Brady. Cam Newton has to prove that he can be a quality quarterback in this league uh, again uh, in his career. And I think that's going to be a great combination of two people that, that actually want to go out there and win football games, Nick. And while we're talking so much about the indefinable and intangible and personalities and relationships, on the actual football field, Cam solves a massive problem for the Patriots. The Patriots the last couple years have been a miserable goal line offense. Not miserable in comparison to what they were historically, miserable in comparison to the Bills, miserable in comparison to the Colts, to just average goal line offenses. The Patriots haven't been an elite red zone or goal line offense since 2017. Cam is the most prolific goal line rusher in the NFL. Only he's got four fewer rushing touchdowns than any other player in the league than Marshawn Lynch, I think, has the most since 2011, and he has the second most uh, red zone touchdowns or goal-to-go touchdowns of any player in the league behind only Marshawn Lynch. That was a huge problem for them last year. On the field, Cam solves that. That will make Belichick like him more than anything that has to do with uh, the whether or not he's going to care about the celebrations. He's going to help the Patriots Nick, win, which is all Belichick's going to care about. Nick, are you, are you worried about Cam's durability here? We'll talk about it next block. Hey, we'll talk about that later. To be discussed. <laughs> okay. We'll take a turn. Talk winners I just don't and want losers him flipping into the end zone. a long-term deal in Dallas. Next. First things first. He'll be fine. Foot's fine. Shoulder's I fine. I want to hand the ball off. I don't All right, want gentlemen, to time for stories to start your morning, sponsored by Rand Trucks, built to serve. This is our oh. passing judgment edition. Looking at some signings and non-signings from yesterday. First oh. up. Told you we were talking about this again. Back Derrick Henry, four-year, fifty million dollar deal with a twenty-five and a half million yeah. of that guaranteed. All right, Nick, did the Titans make the right call here? No, and it dates back to the beginning of free agency. Listen, here's what you Tennessee gave. It started with the Ryan Tannehill deal. Ryan Tannehill will either play for the Titans for one year and get paid $62 million for it, or it's a three-year, $91 million guaranteed deal with a fourth year as a team option. That's a disaster. But they signed him to that because they want, didn't want to use the franchise tag on him. Franchise Tannehill, who's only had one great season in his whole career, and then tell Derrick Henry, who's coming off the best year of his career, his value will never be higher, Go see what the market currently is for bruising, non-pass-catching running backs and come back to us. Instead, they signed two players that were both at the peak of their value historically, and instead of just leaving the franchise tag on Derrick Henry after they made the mistake with Tannehill, they signed him to a long-term deal when next year there's a half dozen running backs going to be on the market and his value would be way lower. It's just... It's insanity, and, and Westbrook, I, it's not an indictment on the player. It's just not a way to run your football team if you're the Tennessee Titans. You know, I, I disagree with you. I think if you're Tennessee, you get exactly what you want. You get a bruising running back that fits your coaching style and the player that you have around him. And if you're Derrick Henry, you're, you know, if you don't take this deal this year, 
You'll be 27 next year. You're in that point. You'll be a free agent. You're not going to get that type of money that you've been looking for. And just like you mentioned, uh, Joe Mixon will be free. Dalvin Cook, uh, uh, Leonard Fournette. There are a list of running backs. Alvin Kamara that would be free agents next year that you have to compete with. So this was a great move, right. to my opinion, for both sides because at that point now you have your team set and you can play the style of football that you want to play. And if you're Derrick Henry, this is just a great business move for him because running backs value for for a one dimensional type of back just isn't there with a lot of football teams in the league. I can't believe we, we got through that. Right. Nick did not claim that he wanted to be the Titans GM. <laughs> I thought it was the whole point of this segment, Nick. That's what we were waiting for. Oh, I already made that clear. I'm just waiting. Oh, another no, team might could be their GM. Time spent viewing. There's new viewers. Uh, uh, okay, on to well, no I'll, big I'll deal with here, Jags Jack. defensive end Yannick Ngakwe. Jacksonville deciding not to give the Pro Bowler a long-term contract yesterday with the team still fielding offers for a possible trade. Brian, let me start with you here. Did the Jags make the right call not look locking up Ngakwe for the long haul? If we're talking about a team that I think Nick probably can be a GM for, it may be the Jags. I, mean, I just, oh, I'm not 100% sure what they're trying to do here. Are they trying to build for the future? Are they trying to build for right now? Could they possibly get some more picks? When, when do they plan on winning? I mean, I know you need a good pass rusher to be able to win. Uh, Ngakwe is a very good pass rusher. I, I'm just not sure what the direction that the Jags are trying to go in. That's why they need a Nick Wright. Well, thank you, Brian. Wait, you I'll tell you the direction the Jags are trying to go in. Identify your best player and alienate him as quickly as possible. They did it with Jalen Ramsey. He don't play for them anymore. Now their best player is Yannick Ngakwe. Let's make him hate it here, too. I don't understand how these people have these jobs. Hey, guess what, Jacksonville? What are you saving the money for? So you can give the next Nick Foles $60 million so he can play eight games for you? The hell is wrong with you? You have one A-plus player on your whole team in Yannick Ngakwe. And now he don't want to be there anymore. What are you saving the money for, Wilds? It's it's insane. It's just insane how some of these teams are wrong. You want Dak to leave the Cowboys, and this is a potential destination. All right, on to tag. You're it with Bucks outside linebacker Shaq Barrett. He put up a league high 19 and a half sacks last season, so they definitely locked him up long term, right? How about wrong? Barrett signing the one-year franchise tag tender instead yesterday. So Nick, did the Bucks make the right move with Shaq? If Nick was Brady's GM, they this did. Would be tough. See, they absolutely oh. did, and the you know why? Because the Bucks have a very smart GM. One of the good GMs in Jason Light, or Jason Lick, pardon me. I Listen, it, the franchise tag was designed for players exactly in Shaq Barrett's position. Guys who have been one player their whole career and then in their franchise, in their contract year, explode into a totally different player. And you don't know if you can trust it. So it was a spectacular offseason for the Bucks front office. They moving up in the draft, getting the tackle, wow. getting Gronk out of retirement, acquiring Brady. And this is a smart move. I, I like Shaq Barrett a ton. He was awesome last year, but a long-term deal, Wilds, would have been $100 million with $70 million guaranteed. He's got to do it back-to-back -back seasons to deserve that. I think this was exactly what the franchise tag is for. Well done, Tampa front office. I don't know if I had an audio problem there, but it sounded like a Brady compliment just came out of your mouth. <laughs> yeah, he had a good offseason. Sell tickets. Quarterback will sell Our tickets. Top story I don't know if they'll win morning. games. He'll sell tickets. <laughs> no deal for Dak.
Prescott and the Cowboys could not agree to terms on a deal that would have paid the quarterback between 33 and 35 million dollars annually with 110 million of that guaranteed. So Dak will now play this season on the 31.4 million dollar franchise tag. He will once again bet on himself this season. If there were reports that the two sides were close, they clearly were not close enough. Who's more likely to regret not getting a deal done? Dak Prescott or the Dallas Cowboys? I'm going to say Dak, despite the fact hmm. that I believe Dak is going to end up the highest paid player other than Patrick Mahomes in NFL history. I think Dak is going to get the money that he ultimately wanted. I think he's going to be franchise tag this year, franchise tag next year, and then hit open free agency. But I fear for Dak that in the, in the pursuit of that money, he's going to become an athlete that I don't think any athlete wants to be, which is your name is not your name anymore. It's not Dak Prescott. It's happened to Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson stopped being Joe Johnson. He started being Joe Johnson's contract because no matter how good he was, he was never going to be able to live up to that contract. And I think Dak is setting himself up to be a little bit richer than he otherwise would be, but be a guy who can never live up to that contract. And the reason I think Dallas is not going to regret this, even if they get back on the quarterback treadmill, is because the, it, the worst thing you can have in this league, Wilds, is not, not have a quarterback. The worst thing you can have is a vastly overpaid quarterback. If you don't have a quarterback, you can find a new one. You can go, try to find one. If you have a vastly overpaid quarterback, you're just stuck. And so I think Dak is going to get what he thinks he wants in this. The most money any player could have ever gotten aside from Mahomes. I think he will end up regretting it because you have a great organization, you have great skill position guys, and if he would have just signed for Carson Wentz plus 10%, no one would have held it against him. And instead, this contract and the negotiations around it, Wilds, are going to be the narrative surrounding him for the years to come. See, I, I disagree. You think that it's better. It's, I think the worst thing to have is a mediocre quarterback. When you don't have any shot at the Super Bowl, and I'm going to throw to a, cl a clip of Darren Woodson in a second, but I think in our minds, if, it, if it, it's been glossed over that it was Troy and then Tony. But there was a, a, the Drew Bledsoe weirdo era there that they were in a bad spot. If we can take a listen to Darren Woodson, please, Hubs. Feeling in the world is when you have quarterback purgatory, where you can, you're not good at that position. That position is holding you back from winning games. And there was a time before the Tony Romo era where there were four years where we went five and 11. And we totally struggled at that one position. And in today's game, that one position is, means a ton, means wins and losses, a guy that can get you over the hump. And when you don't have that player in that position, it's a huge struggle. I'm yeah, so, Brian, I think this eventually gets done. I don't know if he gets franchised again. I think that we just moved the goalposts and a long-term deal is going to get done. They like each other. Well, Dak wanted four. The Cowboys wanted five. I don't think the answer is, like, let's get divorced just because we can't agree. I think this eventually get works, gets worked out, and I don't think anyone has any regrets long-term.
You know, I, I think the Cowboys end up regretting it just a bit because I think yeah. Dak goes out and has a very good year this season with Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy comes back in um, after winning a playoff game or two and says, we need to have Dak back here. And now the Cowboys have to pay him that long-term contract which is going to be a little bit more than they would have had to pay him this year. Hey, here's the big question that I've always had. If if the Cowboys don't love Dak, why would they ever want to sign him to a five-year deal versus a four-year deal? If you don't love him, then if you sign him to a four-year deal, you can get rid of him quicker. Why would you want a longer contract if you don't love him and you don't know exactly what he is for your football team? To me, I think they know who Dak is. They just don't want to pay him because they see him as a fourth-round pick, a guy that has played well in his career, hasn't quite got over the hump. I, I just I mean, don't think they want to pay him. If I'm Dak Prescott, I feel like I'm in a great position. To me, the floor, the absolute floor, is the 33 to $35 million contract that you can get from some other team after this season if things don't work out uh, for you here in Dallas. I think a team just like Jacksonville, teams that will need a quarterback, will still need a quarterback ne next year, and Dak would be on that open market, possibly, if he doesn't get franchised. And the floor to his contract would be that deal that he turned down this season from the Cowboys. But, I mean, you want him to go to Jacksonville? You're going to leave the Dallas Cowboys well, and go to Jacksonville? How much money you get? A hundred million dollars? Well, Dak wants the money, though. He wants to go where the money's at. And, by the way, Pittsburgh might need a quarterback. The Patriots might need a quarterback. The Bears definitely are going to need a quarterback. We can, there's the Vegas might need a quarterback. It's not just Jacksonville. So there's other there's other places, and I think Dak has shown he and Todd France are focused on one thing. I was a fourth round pick. I was, as Bill Barnwell put it, I might have been the most underpaid man in America the last four years, given the value I provided and I was making 600 grand. I want to get paid. So I don't begrudge him that. I think he is on the path to getting paid. But I do think he is going to end up potentially regretting forcing his way out of a safe and healthy situation in pursuit of that. a few extra dollars, Jenna. And not just safe and healthy situation. Again, one of the greatest franchises in the league, one of the greatest franchises to work with and for. That's it for us. Brian, thanks so much. We're back tomorrow. Stay safe, everyone.